Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad hey. ready? And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of On Air with Dro. Today, I have another special guest for you, my longtime buddy, high school classmate as well. Uh, he he's uh, he has a podcast on swings and misses uh, with Craig Mish, and he's an associate sports producer at WSVN. I have my friend Jeremy Tache. Say say hello to the fans, Jeremy. How's it going? Uh, it's it's pretty cool to be doing this with you, as you just mentioned, uh, being high school classmates and everything. This is a pretty cool full circle moment for us, I think. Yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, kind of, you've had a lot of success lately, you know, from colleges and having internships at, at Around the Horn and everything. So, you know, I just wanted to express, uh, you know, the gratitude to you of, you know, being accomplished and, and doing success for you. It's really, it's really fun to see you um, grinding it out out there. Well, that that means the world um it <laughs> i'm like so i'm like speechless from that i'm very uh i'm very touched by that i'm flattered and uh there's definitely a lot more room for growth but i i feel pretty good about what we've been doing lately um and yeah it's been it's been pretty fun so thank you for that i really appreciate it and obviously i feel the same way about you yeah oh, thank you appreciate it you know just trying to get out there and obviously you know podcasting is is definitely uh showing the growth of it now uh, pretty good news uh, for you, uh, especially yesterday you were featured on the Dan Levitard show talking about some Marlins, which is funny because that's what we'll be talking about today. But kind of yes. uh, tell the, the, the fans kind of your experience being on there. Uh, that was very cool. <laughs> uh, it was it was kind of a dream come true. I mean, you know, growing up down here in South Florida, Dan Levitard show's uh, been a pretty big deal down here for a long time. I've been listening to it for a long time. Um I'm obviously a big fan of the work that those guys do. I love the way that they find the levity in sports, um, but also can take things seriously when when necessary. And so um, I've admired them for a long time, was lucky to build uh, some relationships with some folks sort of adjacent to the show. Right. Um, led me to meeting Billy and Chris and all those guys. And um, it's lucky enough to have you know, uh, them reach out and, and look for a Marlins analyst for the local hour. And, and with the work we've been doing with swings and misses, it felt like it was the, the right fit. And so, uh, it was a pretty surreal experience to be on there. Hopefully, um, there's more to come. Um, I definitely, I definitely had some nerves off the top, but for sure. it was, uh, it was a blast. I mean, it was really cool and those guys are great. And, um, it was a pretty crazy, pretty crazy experience to be able to kind of, uh, you know, know what we, as I was going through it, I was like, "Wow, this is <laughs> this is pretty awesome." Yeah, you know, no, so. of course, no. I, I was hearing it and as soon as you posted it on Facebook. I think that was pretty cool, and they were it was pretty funny. And then also, obviously, when you were talking about the Marlins and stuff, you know, very real. But it was really cool to hear, and Thank I think you. you guys did both a great job. Uh, now diving into the episode, so you've been able to cover the the Marlins this spring training with swings and misses, yep. which has also been a great job for you. So I kind of wanted to ask you. What has been the most exciting part of covering the Marlins during the spring training, especially since they're off, uh, off to a hot start? Yeah, it, you know, it's just been fun getting back up there. Um, I'm such a baseball nut. Um, you know, I played baseball in high school, as you know, um, and I, it, it's by far my favorite sport. Of course. Um, I really I really love it. I love, I love the little things about it. I mean, really, my favorite part was the first day, just 
this is going to sound so lame, but but getting up there and literally just like smelling the smells and hearing the crack of the bat uh, from guys <laughs> in the cages and all of it, like as lame as that is, it's, it's the reality of what I was feeling. Um, and so it, it was great to get back up there and it's been fun. You know, this is a good group of guys and it's, it's nice to, it's always nice when there's a mix of youth and veterans. Of course. And, you know, some these veterans that have come in are all really class acts. They're all really nice guys. They've treated us well in the media. And then the young guys are so exuberant. Like, they're just so happy to be there that it's been a really fun experience. And, you know, for Swings and Mishes, this is our third uh, season covering the Marlins, but it's only our second full season, which means it's our second spring training. Right. And we've had a chance to sort of try some new stuff out. I've been putting stuff on social media, you know, front-facing on camera, trying to sort of throw some music underneath things, just trying to, you know, mix things up a little bit. And yeah. that's also been really, really fun to kind of get a chance to mix things up a bit. And it's awesome, too, because you guys have done a great coverage about it because – Obviously, a lot of people, they, they'll go into the, the main media news, like MLB Network, ESPN, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you guys dive in a little bit of more of a cultural aspect, kind of really mm-hmm. uh, diving deep to the players. So I think that's been a really good feature that you guys do. Um, and, you know, I think there's another one that you're well aware of with uh, Fish Stripes, uh, which they're also a yeah. good one there, too. So very similar. So both of you guys have been phenomenal on Twitter, you know, coverage. Uh, and it makes it easier for Marlins fans to really understand what Derek Jeter and, you know, the organization is really doing down here in Miami. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, we do we do our best to try to cover the team in the most interesting way possible in a unique way. Um, you know, we know that you you can get your day-to-day score updates, you know, just from us on Twitter. Like, that's the type of stuff that we can do on Twitter. But from there, you know, when we look at our website, swingsandmissions.com, and when we, you know, do, do our podcast, we're trying to sort of dive beyond, um, you know, beyond the surface, not to use, like, a Marlins water, you know, <laughs> there. Yeah. but we really try to dive deep, right? And, and I, I think what I know, rather, what we do well is give you – it's sort of uh, perspective into the personalities of these guys. Yeah. Um, we try to you know, do interviews as often as possible. When we write pieces for our website, we try to be as detailed as possible and sort of go beyond just the stats. Um, and, and I think it can be really easy with baseball to fall into just the stats of everything and how the team is performing. But right. I think it's also really important to find the human stories behind all of it and be able to explain why. You know, as opposed to just, hey, here are the results. Here's how this came about. Here's how the Marlins, you know, decided to build their farm system. What's their thought process behind that? Why did they, you know, sign Matt Kemp, for example? Yeah. You know, why Why do you trade for, for Jonathan VR and then play him in center field? And we try to sort of go beyond the what, but, but get to the why. And, and I appreciate you noticing that. So thank you. Yeah. And pretty much how you've kind of like acknowledged the veteran leaders or veteran players that we've, you know, received, uh, with, um, Jesus Aguilar, Jonathan VR, uh, Matt Kemp, Corey Dickerson, kind of what I was going to ask you next is, would be, is there a breakout player you, you think Marlon fans should really take note of? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that with this team, it's going to be interesting to see the way that the positional battles shake out, right? Because you just mentioned, you know, four or five players there. I think, you know, most of them are outfielders. None of them are center fielders. Uh, VR might be playing some center field as, as he was originally a middle infielder, and they're trying to work that out. 
But that's going to be the interesting thing is, does Corey Dickerson play every single day in left field, or does he platoon with a Harold Ramirez, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when Matt Kemp maybe plays a little bit of right field, is Garrett Cooper going to be ordinarily your everyday right fielder? Because I think Garrett Cooper, if healthy, can have a great like great season for the Marlins. He was really good when healthy last year. Right. Um, and, and I think that like, if you're looking for a player, um, Brian Anderson's the obvious, okay, he can take the leap because now there's a little protection behind him. Of course. But I think if you're looking for a player that was already with the Marlins, um, that can really take the step to become a really solid everyday major league player. I, I think Garrett Cooper has that ability. Now it's just about whether or not the Marlins will give him the opportunity because, for what it's worth, he has had issues with staying on the field. In my mind, those have all been sort of fluke injuries. And right. to hold that against him would be, I think, I think wrong or or, or maybe short sighted. Um, but you know, we'll have to see where that goes. So I know I didn't really answer your question there about who a breakout player yeah. could be. Um, but I think that that when you look at it, it's if Garrett Cooper is given the opportunity of the guys that you expect to see in the starting lineup, that's the guy that I would look at and go all right, he, he's got a shot to sort of break out and have an even better season than last year. Yeah, and I kind of agree with you on that, too, because Garrett Cooper, we, we saw flashes of him, uh, you know, last season, you know, hitting home runs, driving in the R- critical RBIs, you know, playing first base, right field, I mean, anything pretty much until, you know, right. his, his hand getting hit by a pitch and stuff like that. So you're right. I agree on the fluke injuries. I think yeah. I, I, I think I think at the end of the day, uh, if Garrett Cooper can, can play you at least 140, 40 games a year I do see you know the longevity that he can have uh with the Marlins and in having those you know Jesus Aguilar coming in and uh, and Corey Dickerson I don't know if they're going to play him at right field or, or not but uh or I know he's mostly going to be in left field but having those guys kind of as your backup in case he does have an injury you know you stay with the depth which is a good thing that you know the Marlins went and got those players because you just never know it's a 162 game season it's way too long so you always want to have uh plan b plan c and everything so uh, yeah I think I think a big thing to to think about there too is that you know with with the guys who we just mentioned who you just mentioned Dickerson Aguilar those are as much, um, uh, you know, breakout type of seasons they would have as right. much as maybe sort of res- resurrection. Um, you know, Aguilar a couple of years ago was hitting 38 homers. Now it's about, okay, can they get him in the type of shape where he can do that again? Uh, same deal with Matt Kemp, who a couple of years ago was an all-star after his career had already looked over a little bit. And now he's sort of same type of deal. Can he come back? Can he be productive in the same type of way? So, those are sort of the big questions with those players, and we'll just sort of have to see. But Garrett Cooper uh, getting his opportunity in right field will, will will be a chance to sort of see whether he can be the guy that plays 130, 140 games. Of course, fair point. Now, the next question that I wanted to ask you, you kind of briefly spoke about him. It, it's the development of Lewis Brinson, right? So it's been, mm-hmm. it's, it's been disappointing on both sides for the Marlins and for himself. Uh, do you see him taking a leap this season? I know they mentioned, uh, I saw on Twitter that he had like eight home runs in spring training. He's only had like 12 in his regular season. Do you yeah. see him finally taking that jump? Huh. So I I really like Lewis Brinson um, as a human being and as a worker. Um, I know he works really hard. I know he's worked really hard this offseason with 
the Marlins themselves. Um, I don't know that Lewis Brinson can or will take that jump. Um, I don't. I also don't think that that necessarily means that his career would be over. No, I'm just not sure that. <laughs> Look, in a scenario with, with Lewis Brinson uh, here in Miami, there's been this tremendous pressure on the kid, right? Um, he came in clearly not ready to be what we all thought he would be when he first started with the Marlins. But as a South Florida kid um, who was traded to the Marlins, let's not forget he's from Coral Strings and was traded to the Marlins just before um, the shooting at Stoneman Stone Douglas and then was right. involved in, in being around the team and helping them and like such a kind face in the community and i think we all just had such high expectations for what brinson was going to be on the field of course. Uh, based off what he was off the field and based off being you know the quote-unquote number one prospect sent back for christian yelich yeah that uh, this pressure that's been put on him is, is really high and i don't think uh that lewis brinson will be the starting center fielder for the marlins uh you know come the regular season i think that jonathan er is their number one uh, option if, if he can handle playing center field on a daily basis and, and feels comfortable. Uh, I would also say that I think John Birdie at this point in his career is maybe a better player than Lewis Brinson. And that's not to, to bag on Lewis Brinson as yeah. much as it is to say that, you know, they have maybe some better options. Uh, to me, the best thing that could happen to Lou would be if he did get sent elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and he could sort of have a fresh start. If you remember, it's it reminds me a lot, and, and Craig and I have talked about this on the podcast. It reminds me a lot of when Cameron Maven yep. was traded to the Marlins for Miguel Cabrera, say, right, right. And there was this crazy expectation, and he ended up carving out a 10, 15 year major league baseball career. It just didn't work with the Marlins because of what the expectations were yeah. and the player that he actually was. I don't know that Lou is ever going to be an everyday center fielder, you know, all star, right? Uh, but could he be a really good fourth outfielder? Maybe. Yeah. Um. And, and so I hope for his sake, and who knows, I hope that I'm wrong. Like, I hope that what I'm saying right now, he continues to hit well in the spring, gets his opportunity, and for whatever reason, it clicks. You never know. When you work with new hitting coaches, it's possible. I just, I really don't expect that from him at this point. It, it, we have to be, you know, realistic about the type of player that he is. And the comparison that you guys did, I was literally, as soon as we were, t like, I even asked you the question, I was like, Cameron, maybe. Cameron, maybe. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I love Lewis Brinson. It's funny because I met him at a heat game when I went uh, and you took his time. Back. Yeah, took a picture, no problem. You know, it's, it's just weird that he's younger than me. But at the same time, I mean, he's he's just a phenomenal guy, uh, you know, really yeah. w works hard and everything. And, you know, it's really funny to me because we do mention Cameron Mabin and Lewis Brinson. And I think was it two years ago when we ended up signing Cameron Mabin to mentor Lewis Brinson. So I thought that's a little funny story as a Marlins yeah. fan and stuff, how that happens. But uh, you know, at least Cameron Maben has, you know, been through the roads. You know, he won a World Series, I think, yeah. the same year with the Astros, which is ironically, you know, we're all they we all know why they're on the news lately. Yeah. But that's for a different topic, of course. So um but uh you know, it's 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 something where, you know, time and time will tell and in, in baseball right. you as we all know, you only have a certain amount of time left now, you know, because Yeah, and I, and again I, I'm really hopeful that you know that Lou does, you know, light it up in the spring and, and whether that's with the Marlins or elsewhere, gets an opportunity to play and continues to light it up. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure that, that the experiment is going to work here in Miami much longer. Okay. Um, 
you know, as, as, and again, there's very few guys I've met and, 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 you know, we've talked about, I, I work at WSPN as well. So I've been in the Dolphins locker room and the Heat locker room and all there's, there's maybe two or three guys I've ever met as kind as Lewis Brinson, right. uh, especially to the media. So, um, you know, I hope that he succeeds. I just don't know that, that that will come in a Marlins uniform. Fair enough. Fair point. Um, kind of reversing back to what we were talking with the veterans, um, kind of wanted to give you, so what kind of an impact do you see these new veteran players that, you know, the Marlins have signed, you know, even including, uh, Kinsler in, in the bullpen and stuff like, yeah. like what, what do you, what do you see this Marlins team really becoming and, you know, how much of an impact of all these veteran leadership are we going to have this season? Yeah, I think the um, in terms of the veterans, I think you can expect more from these veterans than you got from the veterans last year, right? So you got Neil Walker, Martin Prado, Martin Prado, who had already been there, obviously, of course, healthy for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so Martin Prado, Curtis Granderson, Neil Walker, those guys were all very much on their last legs. Now, Jesus Aguilar and Matt Kemp both had not great years last year. Um, but a couple years ago, they were all-stars. Um, so can you sort of resurrect whatever's left with each of them? It, I find that entirely possible. Um, do I think, you know, do I think Aguilar's hitting 40 homers? No. Um, do I think that Kemp is, is going to be, you know, one of the best hitters in the league? No. But it's possible that given the right amount of playing time and the right circumstances and the right matchups, that they can both have really solid seasons, especially as sort of power guys in the order, and, and, and particularly Aguilar. Um, Jonathan VR is obviously the best player they acquired, and arguably th- there's a chance he's the best player on the Marlins this season. Um, I think that he that pickup was a huge one, Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that he can really affect the lineup, especially if he's playing center field and batting first and sort of setting the table for everybody else. Um, so when you talk about the veterans that get added, you know, those guys are important. Let's not forget also, you know, Matt Joyce, uh, who I, I am constantly forgetting to mention, but Matt Joyce, who oh, could yeah. make the team, um, as the left-handed bat, Francisco Cervelli, who you've signed now as a backup catcher to Jorge Alfaro, um, who could be a huge veteran presence, also help Alfaro behind the plate. So these guys that, that they've signed this year, they committed a little more money to it than they did last year, and you're getting a little bit better product as a result. So, you know, do I think that, that these guys are going to turn the Marlins into a playoff team? No. Um, but it is possible that the way that they contribute, it could get this team to about 70 wins. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question, which is, what do you think would be the over and under? And, and especially, you know, being in the NL East, you know, you got the Mets getting better. You got the Phillies. I think they improved a little bit. Uh, but obviously, and then you got the defending champs in, in the, the Nationals. Uh, so you would pretty much say 70 wins would be your over and under on, on the Marlins uh, this season, correct? I think if they got to 70 wins, it would be a really, really good season. Um, let's not forget, they, they won 56 games last year. Uh, and then, sure, they've added Jesus Aguilar and Matt Kemp um, and, you know, Dickerson, who obviously, I mean, Dickerson's going to be in the middle of the order. Let's not forget, like, I, I didn't just say it right there. I, I realized I sort of just implied it. Right. Dickerson's going to be your three hitter more likely than not. Um, and he's a, a far better hitter than a lot of the guys that were in the lineup last year. Um, you know, so you've added Dickerson, you've added VR, you've added uh, Matt Kemp, you've added Aguilar. These guys matter to your order. But are they 14 games better, especially considering, let's not forget the Marlins had so much health at the beginning of last year in terms of their pitching, yeah. that that kept them and won them a bunch of games early. 
Uh, so we can only hope that the Marlins are as healthy, especially in the pitching rotation as they were last year. Everything is slightly improved. But with everything being slightly improved, to expect much more than a 14 or 15 win increase would be kind of like, it'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, so, no. you know, a little fantasy numbers. Yeah, to set it at at 70 games um, feels good for me. Uh, If they were under, I wouldn't be shocked. And also, I wouldn't even really be disappointed if it was only a few games under. Uh, And if they were a couple games over, that would be a great, great, great season for for what you should expect at the moment, considering how much help is theoretically on the way. Right, and I think Marlin fans should be really, like, excited as well. I mean, obviously not, like, World Series excited, but excited of of the future that, obviously, you want to see progress right so you know you you never want to see you don't want to see your team regressing but as long as there's progress where you're going from 50 wins to 60 to 70 as long as you see it moving up you should be you know happy obviously you know you don't want to be like the panthers right now which are (laughs) another grinding my gears right now which is like always balanced or regressing but um but the Marlins, yes of course you know I think Derek Jeter, you know, you know, you mentioned Lewis Brinson, you know, getting heat uh, for that kind of trade. I also think Derek Jeter got the heat as well, uh, especially since Jeffrey Loria has ripped the Marlins hearts many times in, you know, the years that he's been with us. So obviously when he first did the fire sale, you know, it's kind of tougher for him because you know, there's no level of, of commitment or, or confidence that we had in him. So um, I think you you are seeing finally what Derek Jeter um, is starting to envision, and I think you know me as being a Marlins fan, I'm super excited, and I'm pretty sure many more people are as well. Yeah, I think it's you know being excited with tempered expectations is the right place to be. Um, I don't think that everything is perfect quite yet. Obviously, there's a lot more growth to get the Marlins to where they want to be, and and we're just hoping that this works, right? Like yeah. we've seen a totally reshaped you know, top 30 of the MLB pipeline that came out this morning. It's completely different from where it was when they took over. Right. I mean, it's a completely reshaped farm system. That said, we can only hope that their development and their drafting and all of these things that do exist uh, within the development program of the Marlins does work. Yeah. You know, we're, we're trusting that it works. We, we believe that it can work. We definitely know that, you know, nationally, um, they wouldn't be getting the praise that they were if, if, if nationally it wasn't believed that it might work as well. Um, that being said, uh, you know, there's still a long way to go before, you know, we can crown, you know, Jeter and the rest of everybody else as these sort of uh, saviors of the franchise. Like, there's a long ways to go before we can do that. Uh, if it doesn't work, I'll be the first to criticize it. Um, but in the time being, it, it is important to know, yeah, man, they are building something. Um, they feel confident in it. I feel pretty confident in it. Um, and when you see some of these young guys that, that are coming up, and look at Jazz Chisholm and Monte Harrison and some of the arms, uh, Trevor Rogers and Edward Cabrera and Sixto Sanchez, I mean, there's a ton of studs in this farm system. And as long as the Marlins can develop them properly, bring them up at the right time for them. I mean, J.J. Bleday, another one who they just drafted, yep. Peyton Burdick. There's all these guys that if they can bring them up get them to succeed, pay the right guys going forward, because that's always the big question with the Marlins and has been. And, you know, I feel confident that this, this ownership group will pay the right guys going forward. Um, But that's the big question is once these guys do come up and produce, you know, 
first of all, do they come up and produce? And then second of all, what happens from there? So if you're looking at a model in the Astros, which I know, you know, is, it's taboo at the moment because <laughs> of everything that happened with the cheating, but, of but that's what they're following, right? Break it down, build it back up, take jumps each year, and then hopefully take a giant jump once the young guys are really ready. Um, the Marlins have done the first part. Let's see if they can do the second part. No, hands down, I totally agree with your analysis there. I think, you know, I- the Astros would be a perfect example, other than, other than the cheating, of course. But uh, you know, that's exactly that's exactly what I envisioned them before I heard you know the Astros and cheating. So uh, right. I think it's really cool. I'm very excited for Monty and Chisholm and everybody. You know, JJ Blade. I'm hoping for everyone. You know, uh, and even uh, I I don't remember his first name, but I'm pretty sure you know. But Inquisition, uh, he's been another oh, yeah, one. Yeah, so he kind of reminds me of... Yeah, man, there's not... And Jesus Sanchez, I mean, there's just a ton of good young hitters. Like, it's crazy. And yeah, I I know what you're about to say. You're about to say Encarnacion reminds me of Stanton. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're about to say. You read my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I know where you're going with it. I know where you are. Let's not go quite there yet. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's got a pretty swing from the right side. I mean, he's a big boy. So I I know what you're about to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. No, of course... Uh, kind of, I have a, two more questions to ask you really quick. Um, but uh, I know that you know Andy, you know, is playing third base this season uh, for the Marlins. Yeah. But do you see him staying there uh, permanently or still rotating at right field, depending on you know the situations and stuff? To me, if it, if it were up to me, because I, I don't know the answer there, right? It's going to depend on on who wins the right field job. Are there any injuries there going forward? Do they keep extra outfielders? So, like for example. Uh, say Garrett Cooper wins the right field job, right? Yeah. And then the Marlins keep Matt Kemp as the backup right fielder. They keep Harold Ramirez as a backup left fielder to Corey Dickerson. And theoretically, they cut Matt Joyce, right? Yeah. In that scenario, and, and then say VR's playing center and they've got Birdie, and maybe and maybe they cut or demote Brinson, right? So you've only got sort of so many outfielders there. Um in that case, say theoretically a Garrett Cooper or a Matt Kemp got hurt, then maybe Brian Anderson could play right field occasionally. But in my heart of hearts, I'm hopeful that their plan is to play Anderson as an everyday third baseman. Right. He plays 150 games, and he plays third base in every dang one of them. Because I think that the best thing that you can do for a young player who's sort of coming close to reaching his prime is to get him comfortable at a singular position. That's the thing that I know Jonathan VR is not frustrated with. Frustrated would be the wrong word, but but is a little nervous about in playing center field. Is this is a guy who's in a contract year, who's in his prime, who all of a sudden is going to have to play a different position than he's ever played before. But if he's comfortable out there and then can play center field every day, it will become okay. I don't have to think about defense. You know, it just comes naturally. That's yeah. the thing for Anderson. I felt bad for him last year on the offensive side of the ball because when you're switching around between third and right field every other day, it's really difficult to be able to focus simply on, on the offensive side of the ball and, and get gain any sense of consistency. So if it were up to me, Anderson would play third every day. I do think that that's their plan. I think that that's why they're trying to play VR in center. Right. So that way you can, you can have VR in center playing there every day. You can have Anderson at third playing there every day. And all of your platooning can just come at first base and the corner outfield positions. You know, mixing that up between Kemp and Aguilar and Cooper and Dickerson and Harold Ramirez and all these other guys that are, you know, in that mix. But it's simply at first base and in the corner outfield positions and you're confident everywhere else that you have an everyday player. Yeah, which is good. And, and, and like, 
again, you know, it's sounding cliche, but I'm, I'm agreeing you hands down. I think the good yeah. thing about the Marlins is that they have so much depth now in case of yeah. those injuries because they've been hit with that injury bug every season, it feels like. So ever oh, since, yeah. like, Hanley got hurt pretty much. But, uh, oh my gosh, you yeah. know, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reminiscing of the times where, you know, where we had, like, a West Helms, a Ross Galote, a Greg Dobbs. You know, I'm hoping, oh, you know, man. these veteran players, obviously I don't want to put too much pressure on them or, like, an Alfredo and I see VR as an Amezaga. He's just a utility player, um, and I know he can produce. But if we can have um, stable pinch hitters at the right times, I, I think Don Manley, yeah. you know, is going to do a good job about it. So, um, kind of the last question that I have, because I know you got to get going, is um, is the pitching. So I'm looking at the starting pitching this year, right? Um, obviously, the uh -huh. bullpen, you know, has been improved and stuff. Do you see the stability in the in the starting five uh, to continue through the season? Obviously, there's going to be you know ups and downs because of you know the, being uh, young guys with their arms sure. and, and stuff. Uh, do you see them being consistent enough to you know give you those seventy wins, hopefully, or sixty wins? Yeah, I mean, I I think the rotation. Um, it's funny. This spring, we haven't talked all all that much about the rotation, um, which I think is kind of funny. Um, because last year was all we talked about was how excited we were for Pablo and Sandy and Caleb who emerged and, and, you know, we were sitting here and just talking rotation, 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 because it was obvious that the, you know, the lineup wasn't all that good. Right. Now that you've added some veterans, uh, to the starting lineup, possibly, uh, there's a little more excitement around that. And so we've been talking a lot more about, okay, who's going to play where? And we've, we've stopped talking a little bit about the rotation. But I think it's also because it will look very similar to what it looked like at the end of last season. Sandy will be on the, in the rotation. Caleb will be in the rotation. Pablo will be in the rotation. And then Jose Ureña, Jordan Yamamoto, and Eliezer Hernandez will sort of battle it out for the final two spots. Um, we've mentioned this before on the podcast. I've mentioned it. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday on, on, on Levitard Show. Um, I think that if the Marlins had it their way, and, and they haven't really said this, but I, I do think that the best thing that could happen for the Marlins is that Urania is lights out during right. the spring and yeah. then they could actually move him um, and go with Eliezer Hernandez and Yamamoto on the back end, see what they've got because they always have, you know, Nick Neidert's ready to come up. Robert Duggar is sitting right there sort of ready to come up. Sorry about that motorcycle that just drove by me. <laughs> um, um, and then, you know, there's, there's Sixto and Edwards sort of uh, chomping at the bit as well. Not yeah. that they're quite ready, but maybe late this season. So, you know, I think if Udeni is still on the roster, he'll get that fourth spot, and then it'll be between Yamamoto and, and and Eliezer Hernandez, and I think the likely scenario would be that Yamamoto gets the fifth spot and Hernandez starts the year in the bullpen. Right. Um, but considering, you know, Nick Neidert's here and, and, you know, waiting to come up and Duggar and all these guys that are sort of right there, Pushing. it would be, mm -hmm. you know, it, yeah, there's a lot of guys. It's, it's pretty cool, and it's, it's been cool to hear guys talk about that. You know, the the team has sort of embraced like, yeah, we know we have to perform because if not, all these dudes are a heck of a lot closer than they were a year ago. Right. Right. So all the starters know, Hey man, if I'm not getting it done, that's at any position pitching or anywhere else. If I'm not getting it done, we've got good young players in this farm system pushing to come up and, and break through. So I do think that the starting rotation will be very good. Uh, the one thing to monitor is now these guys have gone through a full season. Uh, Caleb got hurt, Pablo got hurt, Sandy didn't get hurt, but he threw a lot more innings than he's ever done before. So the thing to monitor will not only be, you know, 
how those guys handle the workload and can they stay healthy. But also, you know, all three of those guys, and Rudania, obviously, as he has his whole career, struggled with command at moments. And so, you know, you just have to hope that Mel Stoudemire Jr. has continued to work with them. He's phenomenal. I could go on and on about some of the stuff I've seen with him with the younger pitchers. Um, and just has continued to work with them and, and get them to a space where they're all ready to sort of go from, all right, we're really solid to now, like, yes, we're all good pitchers. Like, all right. five of us are really good major league pitchers. Yeah, and, and I'm super excited. Uh, on my end, I haven't been able to watch as many spring training games as I would like to, but, you know, seeing what all these players are able to do, all these young guys rising up, uh, really hungry, fighting for that position. They want to get there because, obviously, who doesn't want to be in the major league? So um, it's definitely, you know, very exciting to be a Marlins fan. we still got to be a little patient, but we know that it's, it's, it's progressing and, and, and you know, it's been awesome, but I want to thank you again, Jeremy, for joining the show, and uh, you know, also thank you again also for your coverage with Swings and Misses. So uh, keep doing what you're doing um, at there at, at Channel Seven as well. Uh, you're doing a great job, and again, thank you so much for for joining the show today. I really appreciate your support, man. It's always always great chatting with you. Have me back on anytime. I'd love to. Awesome, man. Thank you guys for joining in on this episode. That was Jeremy, and until the next time, take care, guys.